OTB's Mount Rushmore. 32 counties, one county representative choosing their sporting Mount Rushmore. Some decisions are easy. And I was seeing teachers who had never expressed any emotion whatsoever lose their mind when Sonny was running in that home straight trying to yeah, catch that ball spot. Others are controversial. Mayo's greatest celebrity fan now helps him earn his place on Mayo's Mount Rushmore is Kevin Kilbane. Join the debate across all our social channels at Off The Ball. George O'Connor, 17 summers uh, in purple and gold. And catch the live decision-making over the next few months on OTB AM, live every weekday at 7.30 AM on OTB Sports Radio. The OTB Podcast Network, with Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her <laughs> husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochard has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. Welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five o'clock. We're streaming live as well now. So, as well as listening on News Talk, you can watch us for the social channels on Off the Ball at Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball on YouTube, on Facebook, and on the new OTB Sports app. Search OTB Sports in your app store now to download it for iOS and Android if you haven't already. This is the Saturday panel on the opening weekend of the 2021 Six Nations. A strange competition, no fans, but great to have it all the same. So, over the next hour, we're going to preview Ireland's match against Wales tomorrow and look ahead to the whole competition with three great guests. Keith Wood, Ireland's former World Player of the Year, ex-Munster and Harlequins hooker. Jonathan Davies, the former Welsh out-half, Triple Crown winner and Great Britain Rugby League star. And Mike McCarthy, the ex-Ireland, Leinster and Connacht second row. Keith, Jonathan and Mike, good afternoon. Thank afternoon. you, John. Great to see you. How are you? Yeah, good lads. Um, I'm just, I'm thrilled that Keith, that we have something to look forward to over the next few weeks. No fans. It probably could be going behind a paywall after the Six Nations, but just to have it is, is a godsend for me, I think. Yeah, I do. I Look, I think so. I, 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 in many respects, some of the sport we've been watching for a while has been a bit of a pale shadow. So the autumn international matches didn't quite set the world on fire, though we got to see sport, which was great. But it was a made-up competition. This is a historic competition. So even though there are no fans, there is a sense of expectation that something fantastic is just about to happen. So I like it. I love the history. I, I, I'm i going to kind of find it a bit unusual to look at those huge stadia with nobody in there. And I'm interested to see whether they close the roof in in Cardiff as to how mad the sound is reverberating around, around that stadium. So um, look, I'm looking forward to it. I think we have to hold our expectations a little. I think what rugby has managed to do over the last six months and some of the levels of performance and players playing with no atmosphere has been pretty extraordinary. So, look, I, I'm looking forward to it because this time of the year is just, it's not the same if we don't have Six Nations rugby. I was a 19-year-old nobody, Keith, in uh, 1998. And I remember going to the Berkeley Court and putting my microphone in front of you ahead of the Wales game. And around that time, I remember, we would always lose at home to Wales and we win away. And you went to the home of football and scored a try against Wales, Wembley. 
I, look, I, we couldn't beat Wales in you could, couldn't beat Wales in Dublin. We couldn't lose to them in Wales. Um, that was my first uh, Five Nations win, as it was in that stage, and uh, it was brilliant. I mean, one of boyhood dreams: score at Wembley, but you rarely expected to be a try. <laughs> and I, look, it was a try. It was a sidestep away from Scott Gibbs, and I'd like to say that's a great piece of skill. But I think it was proper protection because yeah. that guy was like a dump truck. I didn't want to run into him at all. Jonathan <laughs> Davies, you, you were coming to Dublin and winning triple crowns in the in the eighties and beating Ireland at a World Cup. Once again, you couldn't win at home, but you could always come to Dublin and win. I think just uh, we overextended the hospitality, I think. I and mean, it was the same when I went to Dublin. I I enjoyed Dublin, you know, when I when I played and you know, post my career. So I've always enjoyed Dublin. It's a great place and it's, I've always had a great welcome there. But yeah, it was uh, similar to Keith. Never won in Cardiff Arms Park, but never lost in Lansdowne Road. And uh, I think when we went as a great, we had a triple crown um, in uh, 88. I'm sure there was 20,000 extra, you know, thousand in there. Um, they were all sat in front of the advertising boards, which I'm sure the marketing directors of those companies weren't happy with the amount of money they were paying for advertising. But um, it was it was a horrible game, but it was a it was a great night. And I remember we came in, you know, Dickie Bowes about six in the morning, and I'd forgot that I'd um, I'd volunteered to play for Neath in a charity match. I'd uh, I'd promised uh, Tony Doyle that I would play on the Sunday down in Greystones. Um, so I got, I got dragged out of bed at 11 o'clock, went, went to play Greystones at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the Sunday. And I, I run out on the pitch and I uh, thought, who's that guy playing number 10? And I was playing against Tony Ward. Oh, brilliant. I know. So I told Tony, look, don't mess about now. I won't make a fool out of you and you don't make a fool out of me. And now it's a deal done and we had a lovely afternoon. Was it a late night the night before? <laughs> yes, slightly late. It was it was a late night on Saturday and it was a late night on Sunday. So then back to work on Monday morning. So yeah, it, it's it's I don't know. It's there's a it's a something special between the Irish and the and the Welsh. And uh, I know I still got great friends from my playing days. Very fortunate. I didn't play against um, either of these two young lads, but um, you know there's a we we always have a, a warm warm welcome. And I, and I that'll be this as Keith alluded to. That'll be the sad thing about it. You know. I've been involved in international rugby now since 85 and I've never ever been able to park anywhere near the Millennium or Principality but I'm driving straight in tomorrow and parking under the ground so you know that's that says a lot there'll be it'll be odd driving into the game because that's what the players enjoy get on the bus when they drive into the game you know it's with all the fans screaming and shouting at them it'll be a it'll be an eerie atmosphere in Cardiff tomorrow but Fingers crossed that, uh, especially with no crowd, I think the game has got to be a little bit more entertaining. Because if you've got a, a dog fight like a six-three or a twelve-nine, and it's um, you know it's, the atmosphere is there and everyone's worried who's going to win. But if it's if it's a you know turdy affair tomorrow and there's no atmosphere, there it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the the viewing uh, public uh, take it. Yeah, Mike, in uh, 2013, Ireland beat Wales in the Six Nations in Cardiff. And it was the last time we beat them. And you played that day. I remember the day of Simon Zebo's bit of skill, that magic little flick. What are the memories that uh, come to your mind of that day? Yeah, I know I'm amongst two legends here in Jonathan and Keith. But, you know, my record against Wales isn't too bad. I think, yeah, one in, 2000, <laughs> one in 2013. And we drew, I drew in one of my last caps in, um, 
think it was about 2016 or 2017. So not a bad record against Wales. Okay. I know I've got less than half the caps of these two lads, but um, yeah, 2013 was uh, well, a special memory for me. Uh, real hot, sunny day. And I think you've probably seen the clips going around Twitter of Zeebs's, I don't know if it was luck, if it was magic or if it was skill, <laughs> a mixture of all three. But um, yeah, I remember Roy Best charged down, I think it was Dan Bigger's kick. Um, and then a bit of multi-phase. Jamie Heaston gave a bit of a poor pass behind Zeebs and he flicked it off the outside of his boot and managed to get it, catch it in two hands. A few phases later, Kean Healy piled over. But um, yeah, real special memory. I think we were up quite a lot at half-time and um, the second half was a real onslaught. Wales came back at us, but we managed to hold out. Um, but yeah, I suppose my memory for me is I, I feel a bit of a clown to be honest because I was doing the warm-up and I stupidly... Um, wore a brand new pair of boots out of the box on a nice sunny day with 21 inch studs. So I was warming up with these boots on and I remember thinking to myself, oh, oh, what an idiot wearing boots. I hadn't even worn them in on the Monday during the week. And I was kind of thinking in my head, should I go off the pitch during the warm up to change my boots? And it, it was just too embarrassing. So I plowed on in severe discomfort. I think I cut off the blood supply to my feet, um, but managed to change them just before kickoff. And I thought my preparation was completely out the window, but Thankfully, we managed to have a good performance and, and win that game um, in 2013. Where are the boots now, uh, Mike? Oh, I've only got a pair of Baldies, actually, which I use for doing uh, the occasional hill run. Um, so, yeah, all the boots are gone. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Jonathan and I were, were commentating on that game, if I remember rightly, right. and with the BBC. And that's one of the things that I would say when I look back at these matches and maybe looking back at what we're going to miss over, over this weekend, which which is that catch-up, that camaraderie. And, of course, we play against each other. And Jonathan and I didn't. Um, uh, he he uh, sold his soul to rugby league very early, uh, only joking. And um, and uh, so he went to rugby league. And and didn't, we didn't get the chance to go. Uh, there was a, a hope that he would have been on that Lions tour in 97. And we'd had the chance. And, and that didn't happen. And But I had started working when I was... 24 with the BBC I injured as I so often was in my career and it was a great chance to kind of go and do things and when I finished playing rugby in 2003 it was the Six Nations was the thing that just lit up the whole year so myself and Jiffy and Jerry Guscott and then Andy Nickel then afterwards and you know suddenly you have a group of people that meet up all the time and it was it's fantastic so like we had a couple of big nights out after yeah. those matches too and it was but the, the, that sense of of kind of fun and camaraderie and we took it very seriously and i remember listening to one of our producers i don't know if you remember this but they were saying listen you have to remember that you uh, you're catering for everybody and you can't really be a fan and i said i'm sorry i'm irish i'm shouting for ireland to win end of story yeah. and they said okay we'll, we'll we'll accept that so but it was you know we can still fight our own corner and still have a bit of crack with it and uh, they're the sort of things that you do miss and like the madness beside the Holiday Inn and the Angel Hotel going into Cardiff. Like the total carnage on the street, like trying to get out of your hotel to get in to commentate on a game. They're almost more vivid for me because, you know, playing is 20 years plus ago. And, um, but I used to love that idea of the bus journey going into a Six Nations match and a bus journey going in to Cardiff. And it's mad and it's loud and it's noisy and you're suddenly in at the back of it and you kind of get a bit of calm and then you come out into the stadium. The stadium is amazing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, it's fascinating as well. It's been a great stadium for us, the, the Munster, the couple of European Cup wins there, Leinster beating yeah. Northampton, the Grand Slam game, Ronan O'Gara. It's been a great stadium. I was even watching last night, Jonathan, your debut against England there in 1985 and uh, just, uh, just, just, just seeing how different it was with the, the brown ball and everything, all that kind of I thing. I know. It, it was all because it was great play. Nothing replaces playing. But I, I, as Keith um, you know, mentioned, it's, it's one of these things where when Wales won the first Grand Slam against Ireland, I felt as if Ireland kind of wanted us to win that game in a, in a weird kind of way. But then it was replicated then when you came to win the Grand Slam and as if our fans went, well, we don't care if we lose today, to be honest. We'd like the Irish to win the Grand Slam. So it's they are, they are special moments. And, and I do think that uh, Cardiff on... Um, on International Day is a, is a very, very special place. And I think because of its location um, and how everyone mixes in the pubs and the restaurants beforehand and afterwards. And it's, it's a special place. Because I was thinking, where were you staying, um, you know, Keith? On, on my, do you remember what hotel you were staying in in Cardiff? For, for when? For when we were playing? When you were playing Wales, yeah. Uh, God, I have no idea. We were... We were... Oh, uh, yeah, I, we were outside the town, I think, at one stage, and we were in the Hilton at another stage, I think. Oh, yeah. Which so isn't too walk, far away. You didn't walk. You didn't walk to the ground from Hilton, but, did you? No, sure, listen, we used, to stay, we used to stay in the Berkeley Court for Lansdowne Road matches, and we were driving a bus. Walk. It's only 150 <laughs> yards. We never, no, you never walked. Guard no. escort. No, well, you, have to, well, you, you also have to save your energy, you know. So, um, no, we never walked anywhere, that's for certain. So, no, it was always a drive and crazy with people outside. When you're driving through fans, there's a lovely, there's a lovely idea. And like we talk at Lansdowne Road, we talk about uh, Cardiff. Uh, my favourite actually was going to Paris with the police oh, outriders yeah. where they're kicking cars out of the way. We'd get all the young guys up at the front of the bus, watch what happens here. Watch what happens with the, with, with the cops on the motorbikes. And they are literally kicking the doors of cars yeah. out of the way. And you're you're driving at a ferocious rate. It was, it was as exciting as the you, game. You, almost, you, you, saw that, you saw that video going around on WhatsApp, did you, lads? The, the one, Andy Farrell, on the bus. There was a video going around of the, the bus trip to the ground in France. And all the lads on Mad. the bus crying, laughing. And, you know, as you said, kicking, you know, police kicking motorbikes over, blowing the horn and everything. But, Jonathan, the hotel we stayed in was... Right in the city centre. Is that what is it, the Marriott or the Hilton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The revolving yeah. doors at the front, that probably doesn't narrow it down very much because most hotels are revolving Yeah, the Marriott, doors, yeah. I was only one yeah. Marriott in Cardiff, yeah. Oh, okay. And then we used to walk out and we did our team walkthrough right in front of the castle, um, which was pretty amazing. And then, like you said, the bus journey going in, you know, yeah. two, two games live with me is when you play Scotland away and the bagpipes leading you in and Wales, you know, when, you know, the fans actually smash on the, the doors and the windows it's it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty intimidating so I, I suppose that'll be obviously very different for the lads um when they play um it'll be kind of a bit surreal a bit eerie yeah. like a ghost town yeah. and there's been a bit it of energy be... like there's been a bit of an edge to the Ireland Wales in the last decade or so on the cake tin game when Wales uh, beat us at the World Cup uh, it's it's not always been sweetness and light I just think because of the familiarity um in the Pro 14 and the regions, the, the, the Irish regions have totally dominated the, the Welsh regions. So I think when, you know, they've lost so many times, you know, to the, to the regions, that it's an opportunity to get, you know, one over on them. And that's the best chance. And I feel that's, you know, they know each other so well, you know, week in, week out. And I just think it takes it to another level. And with the, um, you know, the scrutiny of the 
in the international media. And then, you know, the the whole, because once you get to an international stage, it magnifies a hundred times over. So you know, every play is, is vitally important. And if you make a mistake, it, they jump on the top of you. So I just, I just think it's a mark of like respect towards each other. I think it's a mixture of, Respect and bullshit mind games. You know, that, <laughs> that idea. Let's We've stir. A lot of that. We have yeah, a let's lot st- of let's stir everything beforehand and say, yeah, how many Welsh guys will get in the Jared Irish Gil- team? Jared Gilroy has been doing that this week. Yeah, off the ball have been uh, Wales, Wales the rubbish. Been dominating the headlines and Adam Jones reacting to it and said he was it was very disrespectful. Like we even said something and this got reaction. What did yeah. he say? Jared, our, our, Jared, our presenter, our AM, our show said that yeah, Wales, Wales or rubbish are going to get annihilated. <laughs> Great. Well, there you go. So that's they're the simple things that you put up inside in the changing room from time to time. Exactly. And, and easy. I was going to say. Yeah. I think Andy Farrell's been trying to dampen the fire today with those with those comments because there's no doubt about it. They'll definitely have those quotes. I mean, even if it gives them one or two percent extra on game day, those quotes I'm sure will be up in the changing room. And that's something Warren Gatlin, I know, used to jump on anything like that. He'd have it in the changing room, and you know the guys would raise raise their game. I was just I was looking again, looking at some of Eddie Jones was saying, um, uh, and it's it, part of this is media. We know we're on the media yeah, here as well, yeah, so look, yeah. we're we're stirring some of that pot too. But like he makes a comment, I think maybe that expectation might put them under pressure with ten or fifteen minutes to go. The, I saw one of the the, the headlines being uh, um, Eddie Jones doubts the mental capacity of the Scottish team to front up. Which was nothing. You didn't say that at all. Yeah. So it just got made into this kind of extra story. So, but what are the reasons you're supposed to look at these things and give what you think is going to happen, not what you think won't offend the opposition? So that's part of our job. I used to always try and say this with the with the guys, what they read or what they don't read. I said, lads, if you're offended by what you read, don't read anything at all, yeah. and be content with the knowledge that you have and look for some some bit of insight from the people that you want to hear their opinion from of course that's totally out the window now but it's social yeah. media so half of the stuff isn't is a reaction to an innocent comment then there's a nasty reaction to that reaction so but i love it you, you and, and jiffy you said it there the the pressure of the six nations is so much and on the first weekend in particular is so crazy because it's a competition that's built on momentum and you can get yourself in a really good position and suddenly have a home game against maybe a lesser team. Things become much easier if you get the win under your belt. If you get the loss, mm. that can actually put you you know, down a bit of a hole very quickly. So that pressure is amazing. So I think people crack long beforehand, no mind playing the matches. I just think it makes it more fun. That's why we love it. Yeah, yeah the I team's... The team selection guys um, from both uh, coaches, uh, Andy Farrell and Wayne Pivak. Um, Mike, uh, Tyke Burns got the nod in the second row. Ian Henderson's coming back from, from injury, but he's, he's on the bench. And we have Josh van der Fleer picked in the, uh, in the back row alongside what CJ Standard and Peter Mahoney. What's your view on those calls? Well, first of all, I think it's hugely exciting when you look at the team selection. I think it looks as strong as it's looked for a long time. Um, you know, especially when you look at that bench, the impact that's going to come from that bench. And that, you know, I think the Wales team does look strong. They're obviously missing the likes of Liam Williams and, um, sorry, the winger's name, who's that? Josh Adams. Uh, Josh, Josh Adams, Josh, yeah. Josh Adams, he's banned for two, two weeks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, it, looks, it looks incredibly strong, and it's looks stronger than it has looked for a long time. But um, I actually thought they'd start Henderson um, with Caelan Doris out and missing, and 
what he gives in terms of go forward in, in the carry. I thought they'd actually start Henderson. Um, but, you know, Ty Furlong to come on, David Kilcoyne to come on. Um, that's massive impact. And I think that's a real area that Ireland, well, they'll certainly be looking to get on top of Wales um, in that set-piece set foundation. But, you know, I said uh, picking from a really strong deck. Um, you know, like Ty Furlong's back, Henderson's back, Kilcoyne's back off the bench. Yeah. James Lowe's just back for the first time. Jordan Lama, I know he's on the bench, but he's only back recently. Gary Ringrose as well. So I think we're picking, we're, we've got two or three world-class players in each position available, which is exciting in itself. And then added to that, the Paul O'Connell factor, um, which I know we'll, we'll touch on later, but, you know, he's going to bring an extra edge physicality-wise for the game. I know he's doing the line-out and Simon Easterby's moved to defence, but what Paulie will bring, not only in the line-out, which he'll kind of improve on and he'll give James Ryan and Ian Henson um, confidence and a simplified kind of calling menu to, to use, which will help them concentrate on, you know, bringing physicality in their own game and not having to just concentrate on the line-outs. But um, he'll bring um, a real uh, nastiness, I think, at the breakdown which is an area I think that's maybe slipped a little bit since Joe Schmidt has moved on. Um, we know with the Joe Schmidt team, the breakdown, uh, Ireland brought a huge amount of ferocity and it was about you know, building phases, building phases, getting to a real high number of, um, uh, number of phases and then you know, teams start to fatigue, uh, dog legs appear, um, they start, teams start to give penalties away, Ireland kick to the corner, they get them all going or they kick, kick their points. So I think that's an area that has kind of slipped a little bit since Joe's moved on and I certainly think in the short space of time that Paulie's been there in camp that is an area you're going to see a huge improvement on the ferocity the dynamism the reaction to the ball carrier carrying the ball uh, I think you see a big difference there and I think you see an improvement in the, in the lineup. Has he got the team right in your view Keith uh, what Jordan Armour not, not picked as James Lowe and Keith Earls on the wings Hugo Keenan full back burn and uh, Van der Fleer into the pack yeah, I, look, I like the team. Um, I'm a fan of Hugo Keenan. I still think he's very young in it. He, is, he isn't a sort of uh, classic shape of, an out, of, of a fullback, but he's the most comfortable guy under a ball that we have at, at the moment at, at 15. Um, I've, I've one worry. I would have gone, I have to say, I'd have gone with Reese Ruddock at six and I would have put yeah. Peter Mahoney at seven because I think... Um, I think that sometimes you need to play an emotional game. I think that's one of the reasons for Tyg Byrne being in. He played an awful lot of his rugby in in Wales. Um, Rhys Ruddock is the son of a Welshman. He's a Welshman too. I, I think sometimes you can play those. You can get great performances out of them. I'd like to have seen him play. He, he also has played very well all year. I'm not offended by anything in the team. I, I think it's a really good team. I think it looks really well. Um, you, you, the coach makes his decision. The only point I have that I would say that makes me nervous is that a huge amount of the players have come back from injury. Some of them have come back and have played little to no rugby. Some have played one or two matches. Um, you can get away with a few of those guys and some guys respond really well to playing a big match, even if they've been out for a while. But that isn't true for lots of players. And I think we have a lot of players that have been injured, that are coming back. Some of them are coming off the bench. So for that, that's that's one area of doubt for me. But again, I, I wouldn't put it as a, as a criticism. I think as a squad of players, if they're all fit on the top of the ground, it's a, it's a really excellent squad. And I'm excited by it. I'm excited to see some of the combinations. I want to see Ring Rose and Robbie Henshaw getting a run of games together. I think that's our best centre combination. I think we look better when, when they play. 
Um, and I want to see how Johnny gets on. So Johnny's limped off a few games over the last period of time. Um, he needs to take it closer to the game line. If we're going to try and get over the game line properly, he's going to get smashed for doing so. So he has to be robust. And um, but no, I look, I like the team. I think it's I think it's a team to beat well. So I'm so for that and that alone, I'd be excited. We we've got a situation here with uh, Josh Adams going offside, as we know, uh, Jonathan with the COVID uh, rules. Liam yeah. Williams is suspended. Jonathan Davies, a real blow, is injured. George North playing at centre. Three wins out of ten under Wayne Pivac. Are you happy with the, the the shape of the Wales team? Uh, Dan Levy, it's come back in. Um, Ken Owens has recovered from injury. It's a start at hooker. I think the biggest worry I've, I've had for a number of years is if I look at Ireland and England, and um, obviously France, their strength and depth. You know, you could have picked a number of players in in, in most positions, um, and even Scotland. Though you know, look at the, at the side that they picked and who they've left out. And that's been a worry of mine for a long time, is the, the strength and depth. If you look at the age of the, a lot of the Welsh players, and there's no one really ready to push push for their places. And when you get Liam Williams in uh, band and then Josh Adams band, you know, it is a real strain on selection. And I thought that, I know Jonathan Davis hasn't played well. Jonathan Davis hasn't played well since he had his injury in the World Cup. Because of coming back from a, a serious knee injury, you know, it takes a, a lot of a lot of time, a lot of courage. And then with, you know, the the stop and start seasons with COVID, he hasn't really regained his form. So they had no options. They're they're in a real bad position at the moment. Autumn, they did. He put himself under pressure, Wayne Pivot, because he said he wants to change the style of of play. And I don't think you can do that unless you have a go forward. And we've we've had slow ball and no ball carriers. So the worry I have is, where where are they going to break the Irish line? That's my worry. Who's going to carry the ball? So Ken Owens is back, which is good. Dan Lidiet has been playing well. He carries the ball. Josh Navidi's on the bench. But same as Keith, he hasn't played. I think he's played one game. And then the, the back three, I don't think he had much choice then. There's, there's hardly anyone else to pick because of the, the player suspension. So George North has to go in the in the midfield. And I'm, in one way, I look at, that's why I asked if, if Aki wasn't selected because they are two massive centres. And if I was there playing, if I was coaching it, I would just run down Johnny Sexton's channel all day long because I think that's the only option we have. And maybe with those two big centres, they can get over the top of the Irish centres. You know, they're, they're quality players, but not as big as the Welsh players. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I am worried because I watched them in the autumn and everyone complains about the box kicks, but the box kick is is played because of the slow ball and we we have to create quick ball because we haven't got the line the people who can break the line in the back. So I I am I am slightly worried, but we do play better against the better sides and I class Ireland as one of the better sides in the Six Nations. Okay, Jonathan Davies, Keith Wood and Mike McCarthy, thanks very much for the moment. We're going to be back after the news with the rest of the Saturday panel previewing Ireland and Wales in the Six Nations. Back after this. The Saturday panel on Off The Ball. Welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five o'clock. The Saturday panel, part two, Keith Wood, Jonathan Davies and Mike McCarthy, three rugby greats to speak about Ireland and Wales and the rest of the Six Nations Championship. We start tomorrow at three o'clock in Cardiff at the Principality Stadium. Remember, as listening on News Talk, you can watch us on the social channels for Off The Ball on Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook. And if you haven't already, download that OTB Sports app now for iOS and Android. Uh, search OTB Sports in your app store. 
Keith, Paul O'Connell, you know him very well. In there was forwards uh, coach with John Fogarty as well and Simon Easterby uh, as well as defence coach. Paul O'Connell, the line out is sure there's one, there's one aspect to be looking at. There's probably a twin track thing here. There's psychology, there's aura, there's leadership and there's also then technical. Yeah, there's a mixture of all. I, I, Mike touched on it in, in the first part of it um, for how Joe Schmidt played. And that becomes very important when you start discussing Paul O'Connell. Um, I think Andy Farrell wanted to move away from the fully prescribed manner in which Joe played. And I actually think if Joe was still with Ireland, I think he would have moved away from it as well because other teams had uh, organised their way to yeah. stop Ireland actually being able to to um, hold the ball long enough to find that gap, that chink in the defence. And so I think you see a little bit more the way Ireland are playing in that they do want to unlock the defence early. They're not just waiting for a mistake. So that takes a period of time under which to do it. But in doing it, I think we lost some of the attention to detail. So the attention to detail at rock time of uh, of going into contact properly, of ensuring that you're falling in exactly the right way, of of the guy, the next guy that goes in, knowing exactly his role to make certain that that ball becomes quick ball. And so I think we lost a little bit with it. And I think we can gain a bit of that back with Paul. So Paul's obsessive. Um, uh, if you want to have any a conversation with Paul O'Connell, my, by Christ, do you need to have every single fact and figure right in, in front of you? Because he'll pick holes in that in a heartbeat. Uh, he is incredibly intolerant of, of an opinion that is not fully backed up with full detail and partly because we we get involved in rugby we love it and it's emotional and all that sort of stuff but unless we're watching every single factor of it it's hard to have a good argument with him so he's ideal in his mindset is ideal for this it has to be open to other things and to change more he's it's a lovely role for him I think it isn't 24 7 365 days a year I think that becomes very important his passion for the game is there. It absolutely is there. His aura is there. It's for him to try and find the balance to what he can ask people to do. And he's not actually able to do it anymore himself. He can't don the bloody jersey anymore. Roy Keane style. Yeah, it becomes very difficult for him. Like he can't, he said, why can't he, why, why can't they do that? So they have to learn, he has to learn how to explain it. And I think yeah. he does have that. I think he does have some of those. I used to tell a story about Zinzanbrook, the great number eight. At the very end of his career, he played with, with me in Quinns. And uh, Eric Peters, who had played 45 times at number eight for Scotland, was our number eight. And the ball was going into the scrum. We couldn't get the ball to go to the number eight's feet. And I was striking it. And it kept getting caught in a second row's knee. And Zinni couldn't even understand why it wasn't getting to the feet of the number eight. So he asked Eric to step out. And he went in to number eight. And as the ball went in, he struck it. And just as it was about to hit the second row's knee, he nudged the second row's knee out of the way and the ball hit his feet. And he threw it back to the scrum half and it happened again. The exact same thing happened. And he said, I don't see anything wrong with it. He didn't even know that he'd moved your man's leg. He just knew that's what he had to do. He couldn't explain it, but he could do it in his heart of hearts. I think Paul is far more of a coach than that. He, he isn't as... In, as I'd say he isn't as natural uh, uh, a great as Zinzan was, and he worked really hard at everything. He had to understand everything. It's can he get that across? But I think he has the skills to be able to get it across. I think it's a role for him to be able to get it across. But he'll be looking for simplicity 
and accuracy. And players love that. Those two words are things that players love. To be told exactly what to do, how to do it, how to get it better. Yeah, they want to, they want to eradicate all doubt. I, I hope that's Paul's role within this system. Can I, can I ask either Keith or Mike? So Schmidt was very rigid in, you know, in his style of play. And, um, and then when Farrell came in, did he take it a little bit too loosely, you know, um, from one extreme to the other? So is that why Paul has been brought in to say, right, hang on, let's facilitate, you know, something that both are trying to that both are trying to achieve to get a good mix on it. So is he maybe reining it back a little bit? Sorry, I think some I think some you know players towards the end of the Joe Schmidt era were thinking, you know, they want to be able to offload the ball, they want to play this multi-phase game, and I think with Mike Cat coming in, they've tried to you know build that multi-phase. You see all the provinces playing that expansive game, offloading game, and you know all the provinces look you know really good at that. But you know bringing that into an international rugby, as we know, defences are watertight. It's it's it's, it's a lot harder, but it's very difficult to go from playing how Joe Schmidt played, which Keith was talking about there, to playing this expansive game where you offload and what what is the middle ground between yeah. you know, doing it correctly? It, it's hard and it takes time. And I think we've seen it evolve. But I think it's great, by as we've touched on, Paulie coming back in because you know he's going to shore up the, the breakdown um, and then they can keep adapting their game under Mike Cap. Hopefully they will get that balance as, as the games continue. Mike, I don't, I don't think it needs to be one or the other. I think the blend over a period of time, and maybe, yeah. maybe that step might have been a bit too, too quick, but it was so effective for so long. It's very hard to leave it go. Um, but in the last year, it wasn't effective. It wasn't as effective as they wanted, and people had found out ways to do it. But I think there's an urge uh, and a drive in Irish rugby at the moment to be, I'm not going to say, say, if you can say entertaining without using it as a sort of negative, right? You know, but I think they can be entertaining um, and effective and play something that lifts the spirits because I think that's important. I think rugby has a role within that at the present moment in time, not to be, you described, a turgid 12-6 affair, but to have something that sets the world yeah. alight because you're not able to feed off the crowd or off the atmosphere. You yeah. have to be able to do a mixture of both. Um like I wouldn't consider Paul O'Connell as the guy that's going to be flamboyant and make your game more no, flamboyant. No. But if he tidies up the parts he knows he can tighten up, I think there's roles for other players to be able to do that. And I actually think I think that's where Ireland are trying to get to. But it's very hard squeezing all that in into two Six Nations and six months in an autumn international, a whole mixture of things. It's very hard to kind of make that happen. But yeah. we live in hope. I think for that. I think I think it's been um, I think it's been very similar with Wales, you know, the um, the Gatlin era where, you know, with Jamie Roberts and we played very structured rugby and then, you know, Wayne's coming in, maybe not an, an ex-player who's coming in like, like Paul, but I think some of the, ex, you know, the, the experienced players like, um, especially Ali Wynn, they said, oh, wait a minute, we, we need to kind of rein it back in and, and start playing to some kind of structures we had before. So it's, it's, I think it's, it's very similar. John, sorry, Jonathan. I was just going to ask you: Did, did the um, the defence coach left during the Autumn Nations Cup, didn't he, for Wales? Yeah. Have they got a new defence coach in, or I know they're Jenkins. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, sorry. it's it's him. Yeah, and I I think you look at it. You, Sean Edwards is in France. You got John Mitchell in England. Um, I think Simon needs to be now with you, isn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah. And I'm sure the Scottish defence coach is. Uh, I can't remember. I missed um, that starter for ten as well. 
Yeah, me. So, um, but so you know, it's it's he is just starting off as a as a coach, and Byron Hayward was with Wayne Peaver at the Scarlets for a number of years, so he actually knew, you know, what, what you know what Byron would could do, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if he was trying to change the system. Some of the players had a word. I don't know, but all of a sudden it was very strange that uh, you know he left. He left very quickly. Like we, I, I get the sense here um, that Andy Farrell is not under pressure at the moment. We're still almost, uh, we're still almost in the transitional phase or transitional period. Uh, is Wayne Pivac under a lot of heat? What are the natives? How are they feeling in Wales about? They're so obsessive about their rugby. Like you're a semi-finalist of the World Cup, you're winning the Grand Slam in 2019. What's the mood on the ground there at the moment? Yeah, he is under pressure. We all know that. No matter what what you say, the performance is it's it's results uh, driven and. Uh, you know, we didn't play particularly well. As I think Keith was right. You know, the autumn tests were like thrown together, and there was no intensity and not a lot of interest there. But you know, even losing those put him under intense pressure. They beat Georgia and they beat uh, beat Italy. Um, but it was you know losing to Scotland in a real well, as one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then you had uh, you know England. Comprehensively beat them, right? You know, so he is under intense pressure, and I'm not sure what his contract is. Maybe it's going to be reviewed this year, and if he doesn't get results, the chances are you won't be there. You won't be there uh, next year. So, but I do, I do feel sorry for him. I don't think that, as I mentioned earlier, the strength and depth isn't it? We have, we haven't even got a footballer. You know, you can change your game. Ireland can change their game. Scotland can change their game. England and France can. I'm not sure if we can. We haven't got a full back who can hit the line. We haven't got a football in 12. I don't think none of those centres can kick a ball. So that's the worry I've got. Is we are not developing players to come through and foot to... Because I think that the strength of the better sides are adapting and changing their game on the field to win that particular game. You can work the systems all, all week. And if it doesn't work on a Saturday, you need your key players to go, forget that. We can work on the systems on Monday. We've got to win this game first. And I can't see where or who can change the game for Wales at the moment. And having watched Leinster last week, and they all play the similar systems, the, the difference between the speed of the rucks and, you know, against the Scarlets was phenomenal. And for a standoff to have that ball in the pocket, it, you have an armchair right. And I, and I think that's, that could be the big issue tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Um, Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> you can edit that. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Keith, Johnny Sexton, it's, it's Super Bowl weekend. Tom Brady's 43. He's in the Super Bowl uh, again. Uh, Johnny Sexton is going to be 36 in July. Evergreen, essential. He really is the fulcrum of the Irish team. Yeah, I don't like that comparison. I know well, he does. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's okay. I, and I know you now like it, but I don't. I like don't. It. I, I'd, I'd rather. I'd like to be Tom Brady. Yeah. So, um, and why, why don't you like it? The reason I don't like it is that, um, for, like for Johnny, for for Brady, in, in American football, it is incredibly specific, and very very few people get to hit him. You know, the job is for everybody just to protect him. He should be in an armchair ride. He runs on. He runs off. It's about having a really good arm. Right and, and and a great mind which he has for the sport and of course he's achieved and achieves and achieves and looks after himself and does all that sort of stuff. Rugby is multidiscipline, and it is multi fitness oriented. So you need speed, 
um, you're out half. They, they call him a quarterback. That's lazy journalism, in, in my view. You, you know, you orchestrate the game, but you're trying to do it at 100 miles an hour while there's people flying at you left, right and center and nobody can block for you. So I think for me, it's, it's just the, the uncomfortable thing. Johnny is our best out half, right? At this present moment in time, uh, no doubt, no doubt whatsoever. Um, uh, we uh, have a gap between him and the next one, which is too big. So the idea of saying, well, I'm going to keep playing while I do it. At some stage, A, he'll get injured uh, and we will not have enough of players that have enough experience below him or B, he'll just retire and we still don't. So we need to start forcing that hand sooner. Now, I'm still happy in the Six Nations to have Johnny there and I really am. But I do hope that when we play Italy in particular, that Johnny isn't playing. And in my view, Johnny isn't even on the bench for that because we need to start getting players to play and we need to blood guys to play far more often. It's just difficult for us. So um, uh, Jiffy was talking about the strength and depth. We have got strength and depth pretty much everywhere in, in our team, apart from out half, from injury, from different reasons where we don't have, a, we don't have, we don't have the confidence in the tens behind Johnny. That's a hard place to be. And uh, Noel Murphy, who uh, you, I think anybody who's ever been involved in rugby would know, he toured with Ireland or toured with the Lions in 59 with my father. And he has a quite high pitched Cork voice. And he would say, you're only ever an injury away. And that's actually true in, in this instance. We're an injury away from having to make a decision about players that haven't been given enough exposure. We need to get to that point at some stage. This is not Johnny's fault, not in any way, shape or form. He should go on and play for as long as he possibly can. But if he is, we probably need him to be taking it to the gain line more. And then he mightn't play an awful lot more because he's going to get hit. So it is a catch 22 idea. And but the idea of playing on for as long as you possibly can, it's a team game. So I don't like that. I don't like that phraseology. OK. Um, Johnny has been speaking there. He was on the, the show last week, Mike, about maybe embracing mindfulness. I'd say it's even more important now. Uh, how are the players, do you think, are, are they able to adjust easily to the fact that they're in this bubble and, and not go stir crazy at the moment because they're away from their families? Obviously, we know why they're in the bubble. But I suppose that's why it's important to have Paul O'Connell around. What do you do to distract yourself, to keep yourself going? So you will be in a good mindset for Sunday. Yeah, exactly. I think I think one thing all rugby players are is adaptable to the situation they're in. So look, it's it's not. I think they feel lucky for the privilege and the uh, the fact that they get to go into work each day and be together and work hard. And you know they're aiming and hoping to put on a big performance whenever they play, which you know the the nation can be proud of. So they've got that in the back of their minds. They feel very lucky to be in there. You touched on mindfulness there. That's certainly something I'm, I imagine they'll be do, they'll be doing a lot of during this period. It's something Joe Schmidt brought in. Um, and I think Johnny Sexton said in his piece during the week, which I listened to, was he was skeptical when he first heard about mindfulness and, um, you know, trying to be that kind of, trying to be present in the moment, not looking behind you to the past or not looking to the future, you know, having a bit of space, having a bit of time to be there, to be present. And, you know, it helps recovery. Joe Schmidt brought that in and, uh, you know, Johnny Sexton's taking it forward and he uses it a lot now. So, the players will be using that a lot in terms of their preparation. Uh, and by this stage, I think they're used to playing in um, the kind of those empty stadiums where 
they can hear the echoes of their calls um, and probably it's a little bit more difficult at times to get up for games especially when you're playing for your provinces you walk out and there's an em a full empty stadium maybe at Thoman Park it's going to be a different level going out of the Millennium Stadium what is it, is it an 80,000 82,000 seater stadium so but I think you know they know how to deal with that at this stage and once they get out there and the whistle blows you know they're into autopilot they're not really thinking too much about it but um you know you're speaking there about Johnny Sexton and he was saying about taking the ball a bit more to the line I can see exactly why they brought like James James Lowe back into the team who hasn't played much rugby you know for me and perhaps we didn't see it against England but you know when James Lowe plays for Leinster I liken it to you know the likes of uh, Manu Tuolangi playing for England in terms of when he gets the ball, he gets over the game line, he draws in two, three, sometimes four defenders. He really narrow, narrows defences and draws defenders in. So it makes the rest of the back line look a lot better because they're then attacking against a much um, weakened defensive line. So, you know, I think with James Lowe, getting him into the game um, against Wales early, he carries the ball, he carries the ball hard, gets over the game line. And I think he's going to create a lot of space um, and make, you know, everyone else in that back line look, uh, look very good. If there are to be I match think, winners on the Welsh team, Jonathan, I see Louise, uh, Louis Rezamish has come in. Uh, who, who are the potential players that could upset the, uh, the odds here? I think Ken Owens needs a big game. I think Ken's come back from injury and um, the Welsh line has been poor. So that's got to be kind of spot on tomorrow. And I think the, the, the front row uh, in particular, because they struggled um, in the autumn. And I know that the Irish will put them under pressure. Uh, so they've got they've got to just hold their own uh, on uh, on Sunday. That's 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 vitally important. And then we've got to try and get uh, Johnny Williams and George North on the front foot. George North has played uh, very well lately. He had a poor autumn, but he has really really stepped up and he's enjoying his rugby at the Ospreys. He's scoring tries. He's looking for work. Yeah, you talk about this on form. He is a huge threat. He is a massive kind of human being. He's powerful, you know, he can carry the ball well. So hopefully bring him into the game. I think that's important. But I think, you know, talking about the mindfulness, all the best players I've played with and against um, has, have had great mental toughness. And all the greats I've ever you know, come across, you know, in post-rugby is a mental toughness and an attitude and an application to, to win games. And I think during this environment at the moment, that's going to be more crucial because when, you, when you're in a hotel, and there's all people around you. Yeah, it's great and fun. But when you're in a hotel and there's no one around you, and you've got to you know, stay two metres apart, it is very, very tough. But as Mike said, it's a privileged existence, playing in the play, and they're still going about their work. But preparing and mentally preparing you know, for, for the preparation in the week and then turning up in the right state of mind, I think is going to be crucial. And then you know, you've got to create your own atmosphere because there's no crowds there. But I, I do think that Wales will be sharper than they were in the autumn. I think there'll be an intensity there which wasn't there in the autumn because as Keith mentioned, this actually means something where the autumn, you can just, oh, don't worry about that. This means something and it means something to players, but it means something to the supporters at home. And everyone in Ireland and Wales at home will be sat, this is a relief for them, and they'll be sat on their sofas with their beers and their crisps or whatever, and they will analyze every player. And they don't care if he's, you know, he's made a mistake, but they want him to give 110% for their country to, uh, on Sunday. And I think that's why it'll be a real, real step up from the autumn. 
Uh, we're going to get to the big match verdict very shortly on Ireland against Wales in Cardiff on Sunday. Um, Keith, uh, you were chatting to Joe during the week. You like the French uh, in the Six Nations. Uh, Entomac obviously is out, but uh, Jalabert and uh, Dupont are going to play against Italy. Um, it's, it's almost like, because this is all about the build-up to 2023, they're playing maybe with a bit of freedom. And if, if everybody could be like that, then uh, teams would be probably playing a lot better. Yeah, no, uh, no I, I, I'm going to disagree with you again. If any French team plays like that, yeah. then everything's all right with the world. I think it would drive everybody else to distraction. And we don't have that, that natural... Um, um, gliding, running, yeah, yeah, and um, look, it's funny. I was talking back on on the joy I had in the eighties watching. Um, it is great fun being able to say this watching Jiffy when I <laughs> when I was a kid, um, but also the idea of 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 watching um, Sella and and um, Blanco, Blanco, oh, they, and and all amazing, but but watching the depth under which they ran from. And so there were entirely different defensive structures then. And they were running from depth. If you watch the way France have played uh, under their new management uh, system, um, they're actually playing from those same levels of depth, a double tiered level in the back line. Uh, they're able to run different lines. Okay, they're passing under no pressure because they're so far behind the gain line, but they're exposing chinks it immediately and in real time and their guys would know they don't seem to have any pressure because they're 21 years of age. They're just excited to be wearing the jersey and to be running at a million miles an hour. And they are beginning to play that style that if they get on top of you, they can rack up a big score. And so I love the, the fact that they've brought that back. They have a huge pack of forwards that are, even some of them aren't as big as they used to be but they are incredibly effective and powerful. And so that's a lovely mix. And then the best part of the lot is another obsessive on the game, uh, Sean Edwards, who is giving them a sense of discipline that they, that they, have, like, they haven't had in the Six Nations, in the, in the 20 years. They haven't had a concerted level of discipline and a, and a standard under which they can say, this is how we perform on a day-to-day -day basis. And he is a total nerd. In, def in, in defense, the biggest nerd of all time, uh, like a sponge for anything to give him a bit of an edge over anybody and that mental stuff that he has. Like, I don't know how good his French is. And we I had an interview with him. It, it can't, I, I, but I know he's trying because he's getting it across. So, yeah. um, but he has a touch of gold dust about him. So that French team, look, the whole package, they're going to have hiccups along the way. But my God, they're exciting to watch. Are you sick about that, Sean Edwards, Jonathan? <laughs> well, he's just a miserable git from up north. That's what he is. You know, <laughs> I, I, I shared a room with him for three weeks. That was a nightmare. So uh, that was a very strange lad. But uh, hey, he is what he is. He's been a professional since he was 16, coming into a sporting environment like, uh, you know, dynasty like Wigan. And uh, they, they just knew how to win and wanted to win. And I think, yeah, they messed it up. I you know, wasn't involved in the negotiation and contract details. But yeah, you know, look what's happened. And you know, as Mike said, the Byron's gone and now they got Gethin Jenkins, yeah, great player, but still untested with um, you know, at at that at that level as defensive coach. So yeah, you know, it's 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 been desperate since he's gone, but um he has, as Keith said, they are a focus. He will absolutely, you know, 
rip into them if they miss, miss tackle. So they've got that intensity in the defence and they've got that natural flamboyancy in attack. And they, like he said, the depth is brilliant. They, they keep their depth, but they still hit the ball flat. And also they've got this skill of like, you know, like Alan Bateman was brilliant at it. You know, you, you put a pass on the outside shoulder of the of the defender and they'll faint to go on and use the pass to get on the outside. So they have all kind of all the talents, you know, to be the best side in the world. And with the World Cup coming up, that is their focus. And they've got a great you know, they've got a number of players at standoff. Automatic is is not playing, but they've got a world class nine now in DuPont. And that's where historically the general has been. So they, they seem happy with him running the show and they they just enjoying themselves. I, I think that Vaca Tower is a big loss as well because he's he obviously is. missing as well. Yeah, so that's, that's a big loss for them. But that, that Sean Edwards, is, like you said there, I think it's, I've, I had him at Wasps 2000, 2003. I know that was the beginning of his journey, but it's not just the defensive structure he brings that line speed. It's that, okay. you, can, you can see in France that urgency and speed to feet that he's brought in, which the French are now doing, which is something they weren't yeah. accustomed to previously. Uh, we're kind of running out of time here, folks. Briefly, Keith, uh, England, you'll have too much for Scotland, do you think, today? Um, I, th I think they will. I think they're a, a really good power team. When they play organised, um, they are the most organised. And But they also have an incredible work ethic. I love how they use every player on the field gets involved. I do like it. I still think they kick a bit too much, and I think it's, a, it's sometimes a bit too boring. But I think they're incredibly effective. Scotland have improved a lot. Um, have they improved enough? An awful lot would have to go right for them, but I, I see it as being England, to be honest. Okay, so three o'clock kickoff tomorrow at the Principality Stadium for Ireland against Wales. Big match verdicts time from our all-star panel here. Who, why, and by how many? Mike McCarthy. Oh, can I go last, please? Okay. No, you're the youngest. No, 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 do what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for Ireland-Wales. Yes. I'm going Ireland, 20, 23. I should have prepared for this. I knew you'd ask me this, but I didn't think of it. <laughs> Ireland, 23. Uh, Wales, 12. And Keith, your verdict? Okay, because uh, I'm the middle and uh, I'm not going to give an actual score. But I think Ireland will win by about a very similar 15 points is what I said during the week. I'm going to stick with it. But I do think it's going to be tight and hard. And I think we pull away at the end. And Jonathan Davies, you get the final word here. Yeah, I, I, I've always said, I've said this week, all this week, um, I think Ireland are the, the favourites. And I think that the Ireland will win by uh, six points. I think we we had problems scoring tries, so a lot of our points will come from penalties. But I, I just feel Ireland are the stronger side. Lads, all I want to be when this is all over is in a motorcade um, going into Cardiff and uh, watching the BBC and watching uh, Keith Wood and Jonathan Davies and maybe having a pint with these afterwards. Uh, you've been great yeah. sports. Well, and me as well, yeah? And, and you, Mike. <laughs> well. we, we can he's, definitely... having pint, he's having a pint with you, Mike. We can definitely organise the pint. That'll happen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anywhere, where, where... anywhere, Ireland or Wales. Ireland or Wales. May the best team win tomorrow. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Brilliant. Cheers, Cheers, John. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers. boys. Thanks, lads. Thank the Saturday panel on Off the Ball. The OTB Podcast Network with Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein powered chicken bites. 